0: Welcome to the first episode of the Ironworks podcast on Scatterbroad, and we're uh, excited about this. Me and Ryan here. We, I'm Matt McBrayer. This is Ryan Beavers, and uh, we have uh, been doing some work together for a while on what we have uh, termed Ironworks. Um, we get that, of course. You know, you can see the sign behind us. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. You know, uh, um, the idea that iron sharpens iron. You know, so a friend sharpens the countenance of his, you know, of his friend. Um, so you know, we, we're thinking about those kind of things, and you know, we we just, this is how this got started. I guess we need to start there, but um, we ended up uh, meeting one year at the Memphis uh, School of Preaching Lectureship, and uh, we uh, had a lot in common. There's um, um, very like-minded, uh, and so what we ended up doing is uh, we started talking, uh, just you know about Bible-related stuff outside the lectureship and uh, just kind of communicating that way. And then at one point in time, uh, I can't remember exactly how this happened, but um, I think uh, I suggested that we should uh, go ahead and write a book. And so uh, that's how we came to this. We have uh, Conformed or Transformed, <clears throat> and um, this is Issues Hindering the Church. and. Uh, Ryan and I wrote this together. there's thirteen chapters. It's meant to be for like a a classroom uh, type uh, scenario and so we uh, we did that um, have been able to you know publish that together and it's been an enjoyable process you know we've um, are wanting to produce other works, but you know us doing this and then you know scatter abroad, you know of course uh, maybe. Some of you might know that, that I you know, have another podcast on there with uh, Chase Green and, and uh, uh, Scott Kane. but you know we, and that was just me and Chase. But we, uh, we, we have partnered now with Scanner Broad uh, to do this podcast where we're going to cover uh, the book it, itself, not everything in the book, but we're going to cover uh, you know the chapters. Uh, so each episode is going to be a chapter, and um, we're going to talk about some of the things associated with it. So this is only supplemental material. Uh, this is not going to be uh, something that's exhaustive. We're adding to what we've already done. We'll talk about some of the key concepts in a chapter, uh, but you know is, this is going to be uh, additional. Uh, anything you think that you know we should add to that, Ryan? I don't know if I've covered everything or not. Now you've done a very good job, Matt, in
1: covering everything uh, uh, with regard to the book. One thing that I would add along with the book is, yeah, we wrote it designed for a 13-week uh, study um, for class setting, but it's, it's very useful in uh, in a personal study. Some, uh, we've heard, have used it in their individual family Bible studies. So really, it's, it's your choice on what you'll do with the material, and we hope that this will certainly supplement that um, material that we've already written and bring out some different ideas in addition to what we've uh, written to uh, help build up that process and, and help you out because that was the intent uh, of our writing.
0: Yeah, and, and really in addition to this, what, what you know we want you to do, and of course you don't have to do this, you'll get some material here. But um, the thought process is you know get you, get you a book, study through the book, and uh, read through it and then listen to the podcast because once a month, Uh, throughout uh, 2024 we're going to be covering conformed or transformed Um, and also too another thought process that we had is that maybe uh, it is that uh, this could be helpful in a bible class setting if somebody wanted to use this for like a teen bible class or even an adult bible class you could do that Uh, but you know we're looking forward to um, this study throughout this year and you know really without further ado maybe we should just jump on in here and talk about the whole process here in chapter one. Sounds good. Um, chapter one, uh, are you conformed or transformed? You know, that's the thought process. You know, think about this. This is uh, a major concept that we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we being conformed? You know, uh, I think the, you know, when you look at this, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 is, is uh, you know, the verse that this you know, comes from. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell you this. Uh, one of the things that Ryan and I share in common is that we use the same translation. Uh, a lot of people don't use the American Standard. Um, it is so accurate and that's why we both use it. And so uh, a lot of the references that we'll have uh, from this, uh, uh, this, these lessons will be from the New King James Version, as we know that's a popular translation. Uh, but we will be throwing in some American Standard, probably quoting some American Standard and mm-hmm. King James versions because we know those uh, well. But um, Romans 12 1 and 2 <clears throat> I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your spiritual service and be not fashioned according to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the idea of course is that we need to be transformed. That's the whole whole thought process behind this. And we're getting it right here from this passage. But what does it mean to be conformed? You know, that is, uh, you know, the idea of being conformed. You know, what is that?
1: You know, the idea of being conformed is just looking like everyone else, fitting that mold perfectly and just being a carbon copy when I think of that uh, term. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we even we have an illustration in the book about those things. But being conformed is, you know, you just look like everybody else. Um, you know, we, we, we don't need to be conformed to this world. Um, but that's the, the question is, how are we conformed to this world? Um, you, know, you think about this in Ephesians 4, verse 3. It says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, what What does that mean? You know, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How in the world do we do that? I mean, that's a good question, right? You know, yeah. how do we do that?
1: You know, we have to force ourselves to um, to really come at the Word of God with meekness. And in every relationship that we have, in every study that we have, we approach the Word, we approach our our livelihood with with the understanding that we are someone 's servant, you know that 's what it comes down to and if I'm going to, if i 'm going to have the unity of spirit, we need a bunch of servants working for the same master, subject to the same master and, and approaching it with that, that clear heart and, and, and working that way.
0: yeah, and I think both of us uh, when we 're looking at this chapter to kind of you know talk about um, these things. You know, it, it, when you're writing together, there's a few ways that, that you could do this, I'm sure. We did one chapter where we wrote it together, where, you know, we, we had things that each of us put into that chapter. Um, but uh, primarily what we did is we wrote it. One wrote a chapter, and another one wrote a chapter. And so uh, both of us looked at this chapter just kind of reviewing, and um, uh, we both had uh, this this thought process here. You know, you uh, know, in, in this chapter, many people want unity, but they don't want unity of the Spirit. You know, what do you think about that? I think what it comes down to is
1: this, is that we we want the benefits without being fully dedicated. We want the benefits of the the opposite of, confirma- uh, of, of being conformed, rather, uh, and being transformed, but we don't want to put the effort into being transformed. And I think that's what it comes down to, is that everybody wants what? peace. Yeah. What would you say about that idea of peace? Yeah,
0: I I think that's really the issue here. Is that and and this is you know this is extra. This is not in the book, but um, you know people. I think they just they they think peace. What does peace mean? Peace means that you're not you're not. You know when you think about you know war. You know, well, you're not at war. Oh, this is peacetime. You know, you're not having to fight. Well, you know, that's the thought process. You know, having peaceful life, having a calm life, and um, you know, people will try to try to do that in different ways. But if you're thinking religiously, and you go, hey, you know what, I want to have a peaceful life religiously, um, that probably is going to require you to not be transformed, but to conform, to to not, you know you know, you never question anything. Uh, don't study your Bible because when you study your Bible you're gonna find problems with things going on, maybe in the congregation, in the religious world, uh, and so people want peace. They wanna be calm and so basically they wanna be blissfully ignorant. You right. know. They don't they don't want they they really don't want unity of the spirit and they don't want unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. They ultimately just want peace.
1: Yeah, and that's contrast that idea. This contrasts the, the term peaceful and to be a peacemaker. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we understand that because our Father is the ultimate peacemaker, that he made peace between mankind by giving his Son Christ Jesus as that propitiation for our sins and made peace between us with him, he also makes peace between men, all men, Uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 speaks of that idea of making peace between Jew and Gentile. Well, let's think about this. Uh, A peaceful person is, oh, uh, you know, we can get along no matter what we disagree on. We can get along no matter matter how you live your life, how everything goes, and and we'll just be peaceful just to keep the peace among the people. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's Mm -hmm. talking about people that make peace. Someone had to die Jesus had to die to make peace between man and God. And it also made, by virtue, peace between all men when we hold to that unity of peace. Now, think about this. Because you're a peacemaker, are you always going to receive the, um, you're always going to be accepted and always be praised and treated very nicely. Now, think about this. There's these guys, right, around the world that, um, are part of a, a uh, organization called the United Nations, and they have peacekeepers. Well, this liken a peacekeeper to a peacemaker. Peacekeeper goes into a volatile uh, situation. You know, they go into war-torn nations, places that have great unrest, and their job is to keep the peace, to stop people from killing each other. There's two factions, they're standing in the middle saying, hey, you need to quit it, right? Now, those peacekeepers, those blue helmet guys, you think they've ever been hit by a rock? Have they ever been blown up in a roadside bomb? They're not there to be combatants on either side of the war. They're trying to make peace. In the same way, we as New Testament Christians, what are we doing? We're, we're calling people to transformation. Yeah. We're, and sometimes, when you call someone to transformation, those that are comfortable being conformed to the world, they don't want the unity of the Spirit. They just want unity. And people that, that want peace don't want to be peacemakers. So, sometimes we catch the brunt of that. And that's really the gauntlet that's thrown down to us in the scripture. We have to be willing. To suffer for the sake of peace, because, well, our God suffered for the case of our peace with Him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a false sense of peace, really. You know, this false sense of security. You go, oh, you know, I, I'm nothing. Nothing's bad. Bad is going on. You know, um, what does Paul tell Timothy? You know, uh, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. You know, you're gonna you're gonna endeavor some of this stuff. You're gonna you're gonna have some problems. Um, And uh, you know what? If you're not having problems, guess what? You are. You're conformed. Yeah. You know that's 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 the, you know, really the whole gist of all this is people don't they they really do want to be conformed. They say they want to be transformed, but they really want to be conformed because uh, conformity means that. You're not standing against the crowd. Um, you're not, you know, looked at individually. You know, a lot of us don't want to, you know, you know, really stand out. I mean, you know, really, you think about it, you don't want to be singled out. Um, but as Christians, you know, sometimes you just have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, people have this false sense of peace, and really, what it is is that they're just they're just conforming to this world. All right, let's let's um move on here and think about some other things. Um, there are some passages going along and some of these we have in the book here. Um, but James 4 and verse 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, uh, do you know uh, that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, so um, you know, I have seen this, and I'm not going to name names here, but I've seen some people that were pretty public figures, uh, and uh, they call themselves members of the church. And uh, they, they, you know what, being a Christian's easy. Being a Christian's easy. And, they, and they'll, um, they've you know, made friendship with the world in many ways, and they don't see that. But, you know, friendship with the world, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. You know, and we're not talking about creation. You know, God created this world. Um, We're not talking about creation. We're talking about the world as in worldly people, people living in this world and going against the will of Christ. You know, um, there's another passage here, too, um, uh, that that I look at. Uh, Why don't you uh, read 1 John 2, uh, 15 through 16 there. All right.
1: Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world—the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the and the pride of life—is
0: not of the Father, but is of the world. Yeah. So, um, you know the the pride of life. You know the vain glory of life is. Mm-hmm. I believe what the American Standard says. It does. The vain glory of life. Um, that is an empty glory it is an empty glory it's not earned uh, you've got this uh, you think about uh, things in this life man I'd love to have you know the uh, uh, the big houses and the nice cars and you know maybe the the nice fishing boat or whatever mm-hmm. it is you know you know all those cool things I'd love to have that uh, and then you think about this um, there's more to this life than those things you know that's the pride of life that's the vainglory of life you know having having the things you to be looking about uh, looking to spiritual things you know so if we love if we love the world you know first john tells us love of the father's not in us if we love the world and um, man you know what that's that's something that we need to hear we need to hear these things you know don't want to be a friend of the world because when you're a friend of the world you're an enemy of god and and furthermore if you love the world, then you really, you don't love the Father. You don't have the love of the Father in you.
1: Wouldn't you say that who you love, you're going to look like? Oh, yeah. I absolutely. Think, I think that that's the exact idea that we see here. If you love the world, you're going to look like the world. You're yeah. going to look like all the lust of the world. You're going to personify those uh, those qualities in your life. But if you're transformed, you're going to look like your Father. It's going back to that idea of peace, we have Jesus as the Prince of Peace. If we want to look like Jesus, we're going to be peacemakers like Jesus, like the Father, and, and 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 proclaim that that unity of peace, which is described throughout the Scriptures by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peace, 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 and looking like that which we claim
0: to be a part of. Right. Yeah, you know, I think you can even see this in marriage. Um, you, you know, whenever you're not married. Uh, even dating, um, you don't really get this. but whenever you get married and you live together, you start you know picking up on characteristics of the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I, I'll have to be very honest about this. Um, I have uh, you know let, let's just say unsavory characteristics. I, you know I've had um, some you know anger problems I think with a lot of guys you know we have that. Um, but you know being married, uh, my wife, does not really have anger problems and so she's helped me out in that regard. Now I've been able to kind of take on her characteristics in that regard and and uh, and so she's been helpful uh, in that. And so you know, you think about this, you know, we 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 are. It happens in life, but spiritually it's going to happen spiritually. We're going to look like the Father if we want if we if we spend time with the Father. You know, we're going to look like Christ if we spend time with Christ and we do that, of course, uh, through the scriptures now moving on um, you know this you know uh, did you have anything else you want no, to add go there? Ahead. okay so um, yeah I think about this uh, this next thought why is it that some people will conform now this is a section in the book and um, there are uh, I believe uh, I give three reasons here for this. Um, this is not an exhaustive list we could probably come up with more yeah. um, and uh, but uh, why do people? conform yeah have any thoughts that you want to you know start us off with
1: well i think the first thing that you brought up and and rightfully so was peer pressure you know this idea of, of peer pressure is evident in every aspect of life it continues even after you get out of junior high and high school right, right. it's something that it will persist and really what it comes down to is everyone wants to be liked right, right. And, and sometimes that desire to be liked it overtakes our desire to be holy and, and that can't happen. Yeah. So when we when we want to be like we we want to look like well the world and the world is going to have some good characteristics at times some moral characteristics at times but overwhelmingly we we just mentioned that they are opposed to God and when that becomes the the chief focus we lose sight of the spiritual um, uh, necessities that we have in our lives.
0: Yeah. No, there's a lot to be said about this. Uh, We were talking about this, actually, before we started recording. But uh, when you look at Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 32, it's really telling here. It says, Who, knowing the ordinance of God, uh, that they that practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also consent with them that practice them. And so, you know, there are people uh, that, you know, lots of people uh, that, they're, they're gonna kind of conform to different things that are being done in the religious world uh, and and you know they're giving their consent basically to the people that are practicing these things and that's just as wrong as doing it you know you can't you know and, and so they're they're conforming themselves spiritually and man that, that man you shouldn't do that I mean you can't you can't you know um, you can't teach that that's wrong you can't teach a false doctrine and then also you can't uh, support anybody else that would teach a false doctrine,
1: right? You're consenting to their error, and that and the Bible is very plain about that. Yeah. And, and walking in that way, and it, we try to conveniently do this. I've noticed that, and not we, but just general we, um, individuals will try to separate the unsavory yeah. uh, parts of the doctrine of some of some individuals, but they'll take the part that they like, and they'll say, well, I, "I don't endorse um, everything they say." Well. What's the difference? This person gets up, this person who you're you know giving a forum to is espousing error. Yeah. They're, they're leading people to hell. Yeah. How is that helpful for, 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 for us as New Testament Christians to walk in the light? It's, right. it's, it can be.
0: Yeah, you know, I've got a sermon that I've preached several times. I, uh, um, um, I guess, you know, long story short. Um, when I was working with the church, I worked with a congregation. Uh, as a youth minister and I came in and uh, their preacher had uh, just left and so I had to do a lot of preaching so I, I, I knew a pretty good preacher and I, I uh, called him up and um, asked if I could you know get some get some pointers here on on preaching and so um, you know I wasn't going to use his name but you know I, it was Glenn Colley. I went and visited with Glenn Colley some and he kind of gave me a rundown on preaching. And then he, uh, the best thing that happened that day uh, for me, and I've still got a lot of these, is uh, he took me into a room, and it was uh, at the West Huntsville Church of Christ, uh, where you know I, I grew up uh, um, during the summers, and uh, went took me to the copy room, gave me file boxes of sermons, and I was like, wow. okay, yeah, I'll, and he said just copy as many as you want, and so I I stayed there for hours. Just copying sermons, and um, one said sermon that I have, and um, uh, I don't know, um, you know, all the ins and outs of this. I know that it was a Paul Harvey radio program, <laughs> um, and Paul Harvey did this radio program called "If I Were the Devil," and really famous. And then um, Brother Colley had a sermon on it, and so I've i preached that sermon a little little you know twists on it here and there for me. Uh, but one of the points in there is that, you know, um, I can't remember if this was in the broadcast or just in the sermon, but, um, you know, if I were the devil, you know, you'd, you'd separate the sacred from the secular, you know. You know, well, I can be a Christian, but then, you know, um, I'm going to be a Christian on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, you know, I'm going to live like the world. And a lot of people do that, you know, and the devil loves it. The devil loves it because you are being conformed to this world. <laughs> Right, it matters who our peers are. Right, yeah. if
1: if my all my peers are the world and those are the people that are having influence over me, yep. you know that that that's not going to lead to the transformation that, that God desires and commands. Right, um, if I have a peer, you know, a good preacher like Glenn Colley or somebody else um, that is that is helping that way, that's the right peer. That we want people that are building us up and, and getting us along the way.
0: Right. All right, so there's a second one here. Do you have anything else to add to that no, one? No, go for it. Uh, the second one we have in here are, you know, people uh, people are just kind of too lazy. I mean, um, I'm not going to go into any of the stuff that I put in this part of the chapter. Uh, you can, you know, if you have anything, you're welcome to bring it up. But, you know, people are too lazy, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I heard this great illustration recently on motivation and um i've got to go look it up because i can't remember the golfer that this happened to Mm -hmm. but there's a golfer um you know way back when i recognized the name but i i'm not into golf so i couldn't remember exactly but this guy um uh was uh hitting golf balls on the range and there's people watching and they said man i'd love to be able to do what you do and and he goes uh he's like oh yeah and they said no i'd give anything to be able to do what you do, and he goes, "No, you wouldn't." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. I would." And this guy's thinking, "This is natural talent. I would, I, I would, I'd give anything to have that kind of natural talent." And this golfer came over to him and said, "No. In order for you to get here, what you need to do is you need to go to the range, and you need to hit 500 balls until your hands start to bleed, and then you tape your hands up, and you hit another 500 balls." Right. And I was like you know, I, I, I'm there too. I was thinking, you know, these athletes, you know, they, they have some natural ability. And they do have natural ability, but they practice all the time. And they're getting better, and they're trying to get better, and they're creating scenarios, you know. And, um, you know, a lot of people are just too lazy to determine to do anything. And so when it, even when it comes to spiritual things, well, I mean, maybe even especially when it comes to spiritual things, they're like, well, you know what? I don't get the benefit of it right now, and so I'm just going to put this off. And so people will uh, they won't study the Bible, they won't read their Bible, they don't listen to sermons, they don't come to worship, they don't do those things because they're too lazy. You know, they don't care. You know, that's that's really part of it. And it's it's wild
1: because these individuals are are not lazy. Altogether, in, no, in a lot of cases, no. many people will go and they will give their all for work. They'll work extra hours, they'll work overtime oh, yeah. for their job, and they'll be great and professional in their field. And I think that every you know New Testament Christian uh, will model that behavior of hard work and dedication um, to whatever it is they're doing. Um, and that's a good testimony of who we are in Christ, certainly. But... Um, they're really good at that, and they focus on that, and they treat mm-hmm. it at the top level. Or sports, right? Yeah. Uh, how many people are training their kids to be oh, professional athletes that will never play a right. down of football after senior year? That's that's wild, right? Yeah. But we put all this effort and dedication in that. It doesn't. Uh, that shows that they're not lazy individuals, but with the most important thing. The mo- what we believe to be the most important thing as Christians there is no there is no other substitute and yeah. we will not put the effort into here yeah and we look like what we're taught you know we, we look like what the preacher preaches wherever we may be we look like whatever the books we're, uh, that we're reading and do unless we're being like the noble Bereans. Yeah. And we're searching the scriptures and checking even good brethren against the scriptures because it's. Uh, I don't know about you, Matt, but one thing that I say about this is I write books, but I'm an uninspired writer, except right. for the parts that have a scripture reference against right. that. So you yeah. have to read this book and you have to examine the things that are written and compare them to the Bible. We, right. we want you to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The scripture is the only thing inspired here, you know. So anytime we've got that reference, you know, that's right, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and then just compare it, you know, you got to compare it to the Word of God. Alright, so, lots of people conformed, but we're told here in Romans chapter 12 uh, to be transformed. Now, uh, I think you had some things on that. What, what do you think about uh, being transformed? What you got? Well, I like
1: the, uh, the idea that you brought out here um, with the idea of metamorphosis and describing that as, as, you know, a butterfly. That's the same word used as a butterfly is uh, transformed from a caterpillar. Well, the same word is actually used in Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. I learned this a long time ago when I was a teenager, and it really stood out to me. It says this, Wherefore, if any man is in Christ... He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, they are become new. Yeah. When, when you're transformed, you have to become new. Yeah. When you are in Christ, there is, there is no other option to remain in Christ other than to be transformed into the likeness of his image.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I remember, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this so many times. Um. But uh, when I was a youth minister, I had all these, uh, you know, teenagers that were in my youth group, and you know, I saw them as kids, and then I left, and I went on to preaching school, and I started preaching, and then I'll run into some every now and then, and I go, "Wow, you're an adult, <laughs> you know, you have changed, you look different," um, and you know, that's uh, that's to be seen, you know, among people, you know, and the idea too, you know, you go into, you know, the uh, um, metamorphosis you know i think everybody thinks probably uh when you think about that transformation of the caterpillar Mm -hmm. um caterpillar he goes in and comes a butterfly and if you would have put the two side by side and said you know and i remember too you know being a child and going no that that becomes that no way and then uh, i would i'd go and i'd see this little chrysalis you know and and uh, be like, oh man, I can't wait to see what happens with that, you know. And then one day you go out there, and and it's opened up, you know, and and you know the caterpillars become a butterfly or a moth or something, you know. Um, so anyway, it's 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 interesting stuff, you know, to watch transformations. Now, how do we do that? You know, as Christians, that comes only from the Word of God. Uh, you can't be transformed without going into the word of god one of these days i'm going to do this i've been telling myself i'm going to do this but you know luke uh, 13 3 uh, it says i tell you neighbor unless you repent you shall all likewise perish and repentance is a big part of transforming you've got to repent you've got to change your mind that results in a change of action that's really what repentance is and so uh, you've got to change yourself you've got to you've got to make yourself different um of course you know also go to romans chapter six and uh, think about that, that, you know, we're to, uh, when we're baptized in the Christ, you know, we are raised up to walk in newness of life. You know, that, that's, that's a big part. We're, when we're resurrected, we're a new creature. We're supposed to be transformed. Um, that doesn't mean we live like we used to. You know, that's not, that's not uh, what we're to do. We're supposed to be changing. Um, you know, there are, there are aspects of us that don't need to change, probably. You know, there are some things that you might do naturally, but then the other things that you need to work on. And so, those things we've got to change and, and align ourselves with Christ. And um, you know, uh, what I was saying earlier is I've got to write, write on this at some point in time. But you know, a lot of people never really repent because they don't they don't change. You know, they they go, oh yeah 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 yeah, I should. You know, I'm just going to say that I repent. But repentance is associated with change. You've got to change your behavior, and a lot of people just won't do that.
1: And it's a a complete change, really, is, is, is what is coming, because we would not need a Savior if we just needed to reform how we were. Yeah. we were conformed we didn't just need to reform a broken system or reform something that was inherently opposed to god we needed to be transformed that's the reality of the matter right. that, that that takes uh, that we have a caterpillar and in in this cocoon and it comes out a butterfly right? right that's that's how that works what if the butterfly keeps going back to that cocoon, tries to patch it back together the best they can, tuck their wings and get back in, would that be, the, would that be something that we should do? Yeah. No, no. For us as New Testament Christians, we are that new creation. All things that are old have passed away. They had to die, right? We died to sin. And now we're supposed to walk in that newness of life, and in order to uh, to fully embrace that true newness of life, we have to leave the cocoon behind. We have to leave yeah. the former behind, and and not get uh, trapped in the in the old ways in which we walked, in which we were saved from. Right. First Corinthians six nine and ten speaks about that. And in verse eleven, such were some of you. We're we're no longer that way, right. but we are new in Christ.
0: Yeah. So. Um, the the way that this is done you know is uh, is also explained in this passage and this is done by the renewing of your mind you know the renewing of your mind um, you know your your mind is becoming new that's the thought process you've repented you've changed your mind your mind has now become new but how so how has it done that now, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, it says, uh, we see we have the mind of Christ. You know, we have the mind of Christ. That is the key. You need to have the mind of Christ. But how in the world do you have the mind of Christ? How do you get to do that?
1: you gotta, you got to know the word of Christ. You have to live like Christ. That's the only way.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know again Philippians 2 and verse 5 this, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus you cannot uh, be transformed until you know the Lord you've got to know the Lord mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible to be transformed uh, without, you know, without knowing the Lord um, that's the key so really you've got to study you've got to get into the word of God you've got to study uh, in order to be transformed, it doesn't work um, any other way. What What else you got on that thought process?
1: No, I don't. I don't think there's anything I need to add to
0: to that, Matt. Well, I I was looking at the discussion questions at the mm-hmm. end of the chapter. And I had one in particular that I thought, you know, we uh, we need to cover this one. And that is uh, question number three. What does the word sanctify mean? And how does it apply to the ideas that we've discussed in this chapter? Do you have any thoughts on that, just offhand?
1: Well, this idea of, of sanctified, um, the, the root in there is from Hagias, I believe. So, to be made holy. And when you are made holy, you're different. You're not profane you're not common but rather set apart for a specific purpose in service to god when we treat ourselves um in such a way and we remember that that's what we are um we will live differently uh i think about one of the last prayers uh that jesus uh prayed for his disciples was that they would be sanctified in truth john 17:17. 17, 17, and who what is the truth thy word is truth. Mm -hmm. When we are pouring ourselves into the study of God's Word and we are devouring it as the bread of life and and, and really uh, in tune with that, our behavior is going to change in every single way. The way we treat our kids is going to change. The way that we treat individuals that we encounter in public is going to change. The way that we speak is going to change. What we teach is going to change. It's going to look more and more like, well, the perfect lamb of God. Right.
0: You know, I I think about this uh, a lot of times when I, I talk about sanctification. I just uh um I, I define it like this, I don't know. I I got this from somewhere. It's not a Matt McBrayer quote, you know, but um being set apart for a holy purpose, you know. Um you're not set apart uh set apart if you look like everybody else. You know. Um, that's the whole concept here, is don't be conformed. Don't look like everybody else. Don't fit to the mold that society gives, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That only happens in Christ. That only happens when we follow His Word, and so mm-hmm. we've got to stick to it. we got to stick to His Word. You got anything else you want to add to that, or we're good?
1: Now along that con- the same lines, you think about the, the sacrificial system under the Mosaic dispensation, Every offering had to be yeah. without blemish. It, yep. it was something that, that was perfect in in, in in its look and everything like that. In the same way, we want to be uh, presenting our lives as spotless, blameless, because right. that's what Christ has made us to be. And we can walk in that way if we remain committed to uh, being that, that sanctified uh, body. Yeah.
0: Well, I hope that you've uh, learned something today. Uh, thank you for joining us on season one, episode one, covering chapter one of Conformed or Transformed. Thanks for joining us in the Ironworks Podcast.